say hello to Reza Ramon. Check my ride, man. It's a Cadillac, man. Custom made for Reza. You know, Chico, 90 miles away, they're living like pigs. They're living in squalor, man. They're eating garbage. People telling them what to do. Nobody telling Razor Ramon what to do, man. Nobody. I coming to the WWF. Nobody going to stop me. Nobody going to tell Razor Ramon what to do. El Jefe, Razor Ramon. Yo, it's countdown time. Welcome to another edition of the Bill After Seal of Approved. Count it out with Mike and Tyler. My name is the bad guy, Tyler Wolf, and I am joined as always by Machismo Mike, who is oozing with Machismo over there. Mike, I think this is going to be the hardest show that we've ever had to do. Um, obviously, the news is broke. We- Scott Hall changed, has passed away. Uh, so we, we do apologize. On the I do apologize for those of you tuning in, um, looking for our Jacques Rougeau interview. We will play that uh, in the next little while. Uh, but uh, this week, it's all about the bad guy. It's all about Razor. It's all about Scott Hall. Uh, I'm already getting a little emotional talking about this. Uh, we're going to do a top seven Scott Hall career moments later on in the show. As you heard at the beginning, we played one of his promos. Uh, this is going to be a celebration of life for Scott Hall. We've decided to do the whole show for Scott. Uh, we're going to talk about his entire career, well, most of his career, uh, some personal memories of us. Um, just really heartbreaking news this week, eh, Mike? I'm having a really hard time with this one. I think this is the uh, the biggest loss we've had in the wrestling world. And I, I hate saying stuff like that because I always feel like I'm taking away something from somebody else. Uh, but that's not what I mean. I'm just mean from a fan standpoint, nobody who we've lost in the last few years has t- really touched me as a fan the way that Scott Hall has. Um, Scott Hall was one of my early favorites. You know what I mean? We're, we're talking early 90s uh, WWF. I'm I'm a 10, 11 year old kid. Really, I'd already been a fan for several years, but this is when this is when your fandom really becomes something. You know what I mean? And this is let's be honest, man. Like 92, 93 uh, WWF. This is fun shit. This is this, this, and, and this is made for a 10 year old kid. This is not you know this this is not the Attitude Era. This is not this is this is made for 
for me. This is made for my, for a 10 year old kid. It's cartoon. It, it's cartoon come to life. All these funny, goofy characters. And then this guy comes along, man. And, and of course, I didn't know anything about AWA. I didn't know anything about, uh, you know, anything outside of WWF at this point in time. So I didn't know the Diamond Stud. I didn't know Scott Hall. But when that, uh, when that bad guy came in, and I had never watched Scarface. I'm 10 years old. I've never seen Scarface. So this is fresh to me. Neither, you know? had, Vin, neither had Vince McMahon. Yeah, I know, right? He thought this was so fresh. Yeah, he had no idea. He never. He had no idea that Scott was just ripping off Scarface. <laughs> but then uh, Scott comes. <coughs> excuse me. Scott comes in and uh, does his thing and um, changes the direction of uh, of WWF at the time. I think Scott, uh, especially the Intercontinental scene, anyways. Hundred percent, and and you know we're gonna really dive into a lot of stuff that Scott did. But Scott didn't just change the way the WWF did things. He changed the way the whole business did things. You know, him and Nash, when they they jumped over to WCW, and and you hear all the boys say it now, you know, it was because of Hall and Nash that the boys started making real money. You ever hear the the term guaranteed contract pre-1996? Nope. Nope. Uh, And and Hall was very upfront about all that, too. You know, he... He had a very famous, uh, he had two very famous uh, sentences that I always liked that he said. The first one was about business. And he would always say, this is called show business, not friend business. You know, uh, we got to work together. Uh, Hopefully we can get along, but I'm here to make money. It's it's show business. The other line I always liked was uh, uh, James Storm put this out on Twitter today. I thought it was great. And and I know this is a famous Scott Hall line where he would uh, walk into the dressing room and he'd be like, oh, hey, James Storm, nice to meet you, man. Can't wait to kick out of your finish. (laughs) What a a, piece of shit. What a great great line that is. And and I think that kind of sums up. That sounds like a real, uh, that that sounds like he learned it from Harley. Yeah, yeah. Because wouldn't Harley say something? Yeah. (laughs) I'll move, I'll move. That was always Harley's finish, right? Right. Um. I would like to actually tell a personal story uh, this week about uh, Razor. Scott Hall was the first wrestler that I ever met, Mike. Yeah. He, uh, they did a house show uh, in 1995. It was shortly after SummerSlam uh, in Newmarket, Ontario at the Ray 20 Recreational at Complex. At the Ray 20. They did a couple of shows there. Uh, this I was, was going to say, I've heard, I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of good shows happen at Ray 20. Yeah, I went to three of them there. I saw Flair and Savage fight at Ray, Ray, Ray 20. Good, good uh, mutual friend of ours, Dwayne, saw like uh, Corporal Kirshner and Nikita Koloff and, and guys like that way, way back in the day at 20. So, yeah, they used to used to play this this town often. Yeah, and uh, so so Scott was on the card that night. I think he worked Sid. I can't remember. And like, I know the Ray 20 complex really well. Cause I used to go there all the time as a kid. So like I knew where their dressing rooms were and I just kind of waited around the side. And there was this uh, young, young green, uh, young up and comer there waiting, holding his bag named triple H Hunter Hurselmsley. He was just sitting there waiting for hall to come to drive him. And all of a sudden I'm just standing there and, and here's razor. And, and I'm just like, Holy shit. I'm in grade five. And this and is 1995. This is not. This is right after his ladder match with Sean. Yeah, yeah. This is Slam. not. This is not brand new Razor. This is this is Razor in his fucking prime. And I'm freaking out. Obviously, I've been grade yeah. five, and you know, I get the handshake from him, 
I don't have a I don't have my a phone. It's 1995. No, There's no. no picture of it. <laughs> but I go, Razor, can I please have your autograph? He goes, sure thing. And of course, I have nothing to write on. I'm like, oh, my God, I have paper and a pen at my seat. Can I go get it? And he's like, go ahead. And he waited. I ran to my seat. I got my paper and my pen and I ran back and I got Razor Ramon's autograph. And it was the highlight of my life at this point. Do you still have it? Well, I really love Uh-oh. this autograph. Oh, I really love God. this autograph. And uh, the very next what did, day. What, what, did five, what did grade five Tyler do? Well, the next day or maybe two days later, it was the same week. Uh, Tyler gets summoned by his mother. Come on, we're going to the mall. Said, Absolutely. Let's go to the mall. But I can't have this autograph unattended in my room. So I grab the autograph and I put it in my pocket. You moron. And uh, back in this time, they used to have video games set up just randomly throughout the mall, like in yeah. Eaton's or whatever. And yeah, 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 yeah. Test out the new game. So I'm playing the new Sega Genesis, whatever it is. And I got my autograph and I put it down on the lead chair and I'm playing my no, game. You didn't. And I forgot all about it. And I ran off and left the autograph there. And uh, I don't think I've ever cried harder in my entire life. I have gone through breakups with women that have not hurt me as much <laughs> as losing that autograph did. And that's my, that's the only time I ever met Scott. Hall. Man. Okay. So I'm doing a call out now. If, if you grew up in the new market area and you're, you're in your mid thirties and you remember going, was that the upper Canada? Upper Canada mall, bottom floor, you, Eaton's. If, if you remember going to the Upper Canada Mall sometime in 95 and you found a Razor Ramon autograph and it you was on a scribbled it, piece of paper, probably looked like garbage. You give it back to me. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, we could talk about a little bit about his career. Did you ever get to see Scott work live? Never, never, unfortunately. Um, as you know, and I've discussed this before, I didn't, because of where I lived, there was no wrestling around me. So I didn't, and my parents didn't travel a lot for shit like that. So I didn't get to see my first live show till 98. So Razor's out of the company by now. Um, and by the time uh, WCW comes around, I'm a little older. Uh, my parents, it's kind of the thing of, oh, you want to go? Well, then you're paying and I don't fucking have a job. So, you know, shit just didn't work out. So I never got to see Scott work. Unfortunately. Um, I'm sure if I lived in an area like this and they came around often, uh, even if I lived in Newmarket and they came around to a Toronto show, my dad would have took me to a, to a, to a Toronto show. We just, we live nine hours away from Toronto. Yeah. You know? So it it did, it did never work out. Unfortunately. I I was lucky. I got to see Scott work a few times. Uh, Obviously the new market show we just talked about, I got to see him at uh, WCW Mayhem 99, him and Booker T That's had great. a match. I actually have a really good photo. I'll try to dig out a, a, that I took a Scott from that show. Uh, and then, of course, WrestleMania 18, him against Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was at that one as well. And that which, was, a- which I'm sure you got to look at it a little bit differently at this point. At least you got to see his last WrestleMania match. Yeah, his last WrestleMania match. And uh, his, you know, last, his last really big match, really. Yeah, I, I think that was probably the last. Uh, big profile match that he had in his Cause, career because even because even in his t career he didn't do anything that big to be perfectly honest no it's wrestlemania right and you know yeah. i i just want to touch on this really quickly and i don't want to make a point to go over every detail about nope. this but you know it, it was no secret that scott had his problems and he had his issues throughout life and 
I, you know, we could sit here and go, oh, we did this, did that. We're not going to do that today. This guy's a human being. He had a rough life and he, he had issues. And you know what he did, though? He fought. He fought them and fought them and he got better. And I'm just so happy that he and got you, to spend. And, and if you don't believe that, talk to Diamond Dallas Page. He'll fucking tell you. Talk to Jake the Snake Roberts. He'll fucking what? tell you. Watch the talk, resurrection. Talk yeah, exactly. Right, Roger, the resurrection, he, the resurrection of Jake Roberts might be about Jake Roberts, but I, I think it's just as much about uh, uh, Scott Hall. It really yeah, is. yeah, and I'm just so happy that he found that that ability to to realize that people loved him a lot. Uh, I hope he did at least. I won't speak like I know the man, but you know, we all loved him as wrestling fans and I'm so happy that he got his life turned around and got in a better place and, and was able to really, you know, enjoy the last 10 years of his life or, or however long it was, you know, sober and, and just with that different look on it. And I've seen interviews with him and we've seen him at the, uh, the hall of fame twice. Um, you know, very different Scott Hall than we had seen 20 years prior, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. So, but like you said, we're not here to talk about that kind of shit. Um, number one, we've never been that kind of show. No, I just... Only, only people I like, the only person I like to talk shit about on the show is you. Yeah. Um, and I'm even going to take a break from that this week, just because you called yourself the bad guy, and I'm not talk, talking shit about any bad guys. Hey, yo. Um, but... Uh, we've never been that kind of show. And even if we were that kind of show out of respect for not only the legacy of Scott Hall, but for the, for, for, for the respect of his survivors. Yeah. Um, I, I, a lot of people don't know this um, from an education standpoint, I went through uh, um, for education um, in my, for criminal psychology, I did a minor in victimology. And there's something you learn as a victim or in victimology. There's something you learn. The victim is not the person that passed away. The victim is the person because that person's gone. The victim is the people they left behind. And the reason the victim is because they're the ones suffering now. You know what I mean? So I want people to think about that. Now you have anything, anything fucking bad to say about Scott Hall. Now he's not a victim. He can't fucking hear you. He's, he's not the one you're fucking hurting. Yeah. The ones you're hurting are the people surviving, the people that are, are standing by suffering while, 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 while mourning their loved one. So fucking think twice. Yeah, and, and the only reason I even bring up his, his issues that he had is just because I'm so proud of how he overcame them. And I, I just think that there's such an inspirational story to be found in there too because, you know, calling a spade a spade, Scott Hall was one of the, the, the worst uh, when it came to his demons. And it was well documented and, and, and everyone thought we were going to lose him a lot earlier. And, and for oh, him yeah. to and for him to find that fight and and overcome it, it there's something inspirational if somebody that was that hard down on their luck could come and fight like please learn from that and know that it's never too late and, and Scott did it and I, I just love that he did that hundred percent a hundred percent yeah uh, so anyways we are gonna be counting down the uh, the top seven uh, greatest career moments as counted by uh, Tyler you made the list this week yeah be- before. Um, yeah, what do you yeah, guys... go ahead? Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was gonna go say ahead. just kind of some fun little career facts about Hall along the way here. Like I was listening to him on the Steve Austin podcast today, and you know who broke him into the business? I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a wild guess. Okay, Larry Henning. That's not a bad guess, actually. Uh, okay. He he was being trained by Hiro, uh What's his name? Um, 
Oh, uh, the name just went out of my head. The guy that trained Hogan, uh, Matsuda, Hirota Matsuda. Oh, was... oh, yeah, Hirota Matsuda. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he was being trained by Matsuda. And, okay. and um, he ran into Barry Windham at a store. And he was like, you know, Windham was like, what do you do? You're a big boy, you're a football player, whatever. It's Florida. There's lots of sports around. He's like, oh, I'm trying to get in your business. I'm with Matsuda. And Windham goes, oh, man, you got to get away from Matsuda. All you're going to do is squats and and push-ups. Like, meet me at the arena at 12 o'clock next week, and I'll, I'll show you some stuff. And sure enough, Scott showed up at 11. Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda rolled in, and they they gave him his first bumps, and they bumped for Hall, and and they took time and, and got in the ring with them, and you know from there he got in with. So us. so so where did he break in? Florida, Florida. He broke into Florida. Okay, all yeah. right. Yeah, he tells for a great some story. Reason, some odd reason, I thought he was more of a. I thought he broke into more of the the Georgia territory. Okay, yeah, he did work in Kansas City after that. Does a great story because he was buddies with Barry Windham. I don't know why I thought Ganya gave him his first real. Ganya gave him his first national exposure. Absolutely. Right. Um, but he 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 said that he was in the car and Barry Windham opened up his paycheck and he was furious about it. And he walked into the office and quit. <laughs> and I was just sitting there and he's looking at his check going, that's like eight grand. And it's 1984 for a week's of work. And Barry's yeah. quitting over that. Like. I, was, I, I think that's kind of like where Barry rubbed off on Hall too, though. Take care of yourself, you know, don't get yeah. shorted, right? Uh, you know, he did some stuff in Japan after that. He, he did, went to Kansas City, went to stuff with Dusty. But when he when he went to the AWA and they paired him up with Kurt Henning because Kurt yeah. could work and, and Hall couldn't. Yeah. And he said yeah. something. He said, you know, uh, I was too big to do jobs and I was too green to win. So they put me with Kurt, <laughs> which I thought was genius. That makes uh, sense, man. You know, uh, uh, he said that the Freebirds rubbed off on him a lot uh, because they they worked this huge stadium show and it was about it was over half full. And they came from the back. They go, we're out of here. This territory is dying. And and, and that always Can, stuck with Hall because it. You you mentioned something about him being too big. Uh, can I ask you something? Yeah. Uh, or is it is it just me? You know, I didn't realize how big that fucker was until Massive. he went to W until he went to WCW though. Yeah. Well, because he's with the land of the big boys. Because in WWE, he didn't look that big, right? No. Uh, it wasn't until he must have been like what, good six four? Hall? Hall yeah. was like six eight, wasn't he? Six eight? Yeah, he's a big boy, man. <laughs> That's insane. Hall was a big boy. Well, if he if he's six eight, what what was Nash? Nash must have been like what six ten, six six one. Yeah, Nash was uh, Nash was about. I think he was about seven, almost seven. Oh no, you're wrong. I'm I'm wrong. Sorry. Hall was six five. I thought he was bigger than okay. That. All right. Six well, seven. I, I, six I seven is the biggest. I, I see him I built mean, everywhere from five to seven. I mean, you look at Bash of the Beach, and he's the smallest guy in the three. Yeah. Well, Savage. <laughs> Savage was small. No, I meant of the three uh, of the original NWO. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, he was a big boy though. I was a big boy for sure. It, be, because if you ask Hulk Hogan in in '96, he was being billed at uh, at seven foot two. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we'll just kind of keep running through a little bit of Hall's career here and, and chime in if you hear something fun, right? Um, yeah. Hall Hall learned from the Freebirds when they said that the the, the territory was dying and they're leaving. You know, you, you jump off the sinking ship and and. He remembered that when he was in the AWA, he was teaming with Henning. They were the tag champs. They wanted to give Hall the Hulk Hogan push in the AWA when Hogan left. They really liked him. He was a big boy. And Hall 
went up and said, uh, I quit to Vern. And Vern was like, what are you talking about? Nobody quits here. What do you, what do you mean you're quitting? And Hall's like, it's too cold here. <laughs> it's Minnesota. It's too cold here. And Vern goes, you don't quit like blah, blah, blah. And they had a conversation and Hall goes, you know, Vern's like, I'm rich. Like, don't you want to be rich? And Hall's like, I do want to be rich. I'm, I'm not going to get rich here. And he, he left. By the way, I, and I'm realizing my mistake right now. I don't know why I said Georgia earlier, but I meant Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Vern, you know, and then he did some stuff, did some Puerto Rico. And then he, you know, he ends up in WCW as a diamond stud. That's where he met Dallas Page. Uh, they had a fun little run. The diamond stud was fun, right? Him and Nash yeah. became boys there. But now, then now I- think about this. Think about this. He's working his way up. DDB is green as fuck. Yeah. DDP you know was a manager. Mean? He was barely a worker at this point. Exactly. And I think he was older than than, than uh, Scott. Yeah, yeah, he is. And then, of course, uh, after the diamond stud fizzles out, you get Razor Ramon. Say hello to the bad guy. And obviously, the legacy of Razor. I, I won't go deep, deep into it because we're going to talk a lot about it in the list here. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I, I will I will go into his accolades. He is a AWA tag team champion, WCW TV champion, two-time United States champion, a TNA tag team champion, and a four-time Intercontinental champion. Many people say he may be the greatest Intercontinental champion of all time. It's it's he's, he's definitely up, in, he's up he's there. He's 100 he's in the conversation 100%. Um I mentioned to you off air um one of the reasons that I Anybody who knows me and knows that I love the Intercontinental Championship. I, I, I hold that very dear to my heart. As a kid, I was more interested in the IC title match on any guard than I was. I was more interested in that than anything the main event was going to show. Um, and there are about five or six men I can contest to, to the reasons for that. And Scott Hall is one of those reasons. His, his matches, his programs with guys like we've talked about it already with Sean and Dustin Rhodes uh, just that says it alone, but so many other guys, uh, the stuff he's done with Owen, the stuff he did with kid, the stuff he did with fucking, Oh God, I can't even think of them all. Even the, the, the even the things that he did with the guys that, cause we're talking 90, 93, 94. There's a lot of enhancement talent, a lot of jobbers in this era, uh-huh. but even the stuff he did with them was fun. Like you could watch Razor versus Quang and still be like, okay, that was cool. I I always loved before the match when he was, uh, and he'd always give us chains and he'd be like, something happened to this gold. Something's going to happen to you. you. I love, I love that. Well, one of my favorite things is when they, when the match is over and he goes, job Done. yeah and he did <laughs> the hand yeah. yeah yeah and his move love sets it. were great you know the, the back suplex the fall away slam the he razor's was one edge. of the most razor was one of the most interesting and entertaining wrestlers of that era um he, number one he had the fucking look okay uh everything about him from his be it the green tights the yellow tight the gold tights it didn't it didn't matter they stood out right um his like you said his move set he had one of the was he the first person to do a crucifix powerbomb? No, but he was, was he the, the first person to make yeah. it. He sure as hell made it stand out more than anybody else. Um, I was probably 18, 19 years old before I even knew it was called the crucifix powerbomb. It was always and will always be the razor's edge to me. Yeah, or the outsider's yeah. edge. Or the outsider's edge. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he some, some of his moveset was... 
amazing for a guy his size too. And then, yeah. a, you know, and, and I, I, I'm going to kind of skim a lot here because we're going to cover a lot of it in the list. So I don't want to double over, but then of course we get the big moment where he left the WWF. He didn't want to yeah. go, but Vince wouldn't pay him what he thought he was worth. And, you know, Hall always respected we, Vince for that. You know, we touched on this uh, last week. We talked about how it was supposed to be him and Goldust at WrestleMania 12. Um, what could have been. Yeah. Uh, can I, I'd like to ask you something real quick. I, I don't know if you know the answer to this or not. So the idea behind this is Vince knew he was on his way out. So that's why they made up the whole suspension thing. And that's why he's not on 12, right? Yeah. Well, explain this to me then. Right after, wasn't it like directly after Razor did this that Scott gave his notice to? So what, or I Nash. mean Nash. So why, why was Nash on WrestleMania 12? Um, that's a great question. Because they didn't want to find a different uh, opponent for take? I would assume so. Maybe Nash gave his notice when they'd already started the build for it. Maybe. Well, did, Na- did Nash do much after his match for take? Yeah, he did uh, the big match. They both had their last pay-per-view match the next month at In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies. Mm-hmm. Great podcast, I hear, by the way. Which I'm on this week. Uh, WrestleMania 9. Well, okay. Th- then we can call it great then. <laughs> I th- thought you were using that word a little too loose for a minute. <laughs> yeah, suck it, Jay and Tyro. Um, no, just kidding. But um, um well, sorry, before we go, I just feel really bad. I-, I feel like I really have to explain it. I wasn't going to, but I really have to go. Before we go any farther, I gotta have full disclosure because I can already feel me losing my voice a bit. Full disclosure, everybody. Um Right after uh, SummerSlam uh, 2020, <laughs> after my very drunken night with a with a uh, with 22 bottles of Corona, uh, uh, our good friend Tyler was calling me Corona Mike for a while. Well, you can call me that again this week, but for a very different reason. Uh, unfortunately, I have come down with COVID 19. My whole family's got it, so I'm a little under the weather. So I am only saying that to apologize because I know I sound like shit, and uh, but I, I still want to do this show. So I'm hoping everything sounds all right. If I have to just throw it over to Tyler and let him talk a little bit more than me, I'm sorry. Sounds it's not like my the fault. recipe for a fantastic show then. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to get that out of it. Well, uh, and, that, you know, and, and, that, and that's why I'm drinking this and not, uh, and not my regular. Not your regular beer. Um, we'll go back on topic with Hall here, and, I, and hopefully yeah. you're feeling better there, Mike. I have speedy recovery for you and the family, of course. Uh, you know, Hall leaves WWF and then we get one of the most iconic promos of all time. And uh, I, I'm not going to talk about it because we'll probably talk about it later, but I am going to play that interview right now for everybody. So uh, please enjoy uh, Scott Hall's debut on, on WSW Monday Nitro. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm seeing You people, What's with him? you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Are we going to get security here? Where is billionaire Ted? Where is the nacho man? That punk can't even get in the building. Me, I go wherever I want, whenever I want. Listen, we can And where, oh, where is Scheme Gene? Because I got a scoop for you. 
When that Ken doll look-alike, when that weatherman wannabe comes out here later tonight, I got a challenge for him, for billionaire Ted, for the nacho man, and for anybody else in uh, WCW. <laughs> Hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. I love that opening line. That's one of my favorite things of all time. I, I think we, we talked about that. Um, uh, what list did we do? Did, did we do a best of uh, the Monday Night Worse? And I yeah, think we something talked like about that. that. Um, and uh, that was one of my favorite moments because, man, you don't. What a way to start that whole thing. Yeah. And you Scott, know what? I, hold on. I want to cut you off. I'm sorry. I do apologize. But let's talk about that because it, spoiler, it's going to be on the list. So we'll, let's circle back around that on the list so we don't okay. double up on it. All right. Um, so, you know, I think it's almost time to get to the list because, you know, we the, the NWO obviously changed the business. Um, yes. They, they, they ushered in that boom period with Steve Austin and Goldberg, though. Those were the big three that made wrestling cool again. Hall was such a great character in WCW. Uh, he had his return to the WWF, injecting a lethal dose of poison to the NWO, which was great. He had a nice run with Stone Cold. I hated the build for their match, but their match is grossly underrated. It is a great match. And then, uh, you I'll know, have to go rewatch it. Yeah, and then they go and uh, he does some stuff with TNA and Juggalo Championship Wrestling and, you know, the DDP stuff. And then finally we get him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, great running, great, great uh, WrestleMania 31 run-in, which I really loved. Yeah, fuck you, Danny and Adam. I love it. Yeah, I, it's fantastic. Um, and I'd like to go out on a, on a limb here and say that every single fan of and every single member of the Bullet Club owes something to Scott Hall. thousand percent. And, and they I, put them I, over I, all the I time. Mean, and mean the that. original guys always put them over. Like the, the bullet should. club started too sweeting because they just thought it was so cool when Hall and Nash did it. Yeah. And they've said that many, many times. And, and they did that fun thing where they did the click DX and the Balor club. Remember that with uh, when they beat up FTR. Right. Right. Kind of did that passing I, of the torch thing. I'd love to get to the bottom of the whole uh, too sweet thing because there's now like three different stories revolving around the world of where this came from. And out of the, uh, the weirdest one of all, have you ever watched the Kurt Henning DVD? Uh, yes, a long, a long time ago. So do you remember who, who on that DVD takes claim to this? Was it Wade? Was it Wade Boggs? Wade Wade fucking Boggs says that he used to do this in the locker room uh, in baseball, and he had a little wolf back with his buddies, and he did it to Kurt one day, and Kurt loved it, and Kurt did it to Scott, and Scott loved it. I'm like, no, the timing's not. Something's not right here. You know what? It it does make sense, man. I'm I'm calling. I'm calling out Wade Boggs on this. I, I'm, I'm calling some bullshit on Wade Boggs. Let's somebody tweet him. Is Wade Boggs, he's still alive, right? Wade Boggs? Oh, yeah, he, he's did still he alive. just recently pass? No. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. But yeah, I, I love that story. I hope that's the true one. I heard uh, I heard Six was the guy, Xbox was the guy who came up with it. 
I mean, I would believe that more than Boggs. Why not? Wade Boggs was badass back in the day. Don't be smart. You could name mm. Wade Boggs on this episode. <laughs> I just don't want Wade Boggs taking something that's not his. Uh, before we move into, uh, we're not doing a list this week, by the way. We're doing a survey. Survey time this week. Yes. Survey uh, time. You want, you want to touch on any of your favorite Scott moments off the top of your head, or you want to just save I, it for the end of the list? Let, yeah, let's save it, because I, I don't know exactly what you're going to have, but I guarantee the ones that I would spit out right now are going to be on the list, because you and I have of like minds when it comes to, to this kind of stuff. So, Well, uh, we're doing a list that we're renaming a survey and the King of Doom surveys with Scott Hall. So why don't we throw it to uh, the great Scott Hall for one of his famous surveys here. Hey, yo. Let's get it out of the way right now. It's survey time. So, uh, Cedar Rapids, are you here to see WCW? Is everybody in Cedar Rapids here to see the survey says one more for the good guys. One more for the good guys. I love it. I love it. That man couldn't get over as a heel. I swear to God. Like the pop the NWO got at that point in time was 90% Scott Hall. It was so funny too because like he he did the throw and you could hear the crowd up so loud. And then the announcers yeah. would have to try to play it up like, well, it looks like it's really WCW. What's Hall talking about? It's like, bro, WCW just got smoked in that vote. Yeah. Like it was always yeah. NWO. NWO. Excuse me. Well, NWO long before before DX, uh, any of them, they were the cool the the cool bad guys. Um, and don't 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 sit don't fucking at me here, as the kids say. But they did it better than but they did it better than the Horsemen, and I mean that. I know, I know. Horsemen, I think. I don't know. That's Horsemen and NWO are up there. Here's the here's the thing. The horsemen were the cool bad guys, but they were they were, they were bad cool because they were they were cool, but they were still bad guys, and they were only cool because they were rich. The NWO, other than the, yeah, maybe Hogan did the whole rich guy thing, but the rest of them they didn't flaunt that shit. That was that's not what the NWO was about. Well, the, the NWO was about being cool and having fun, and for some odd reason, having uh, fashion shows with weird toothless biker chicks i mean who did, who would you rather be when you're growing up scott hall or lex luger at that time period you know what i mean luger was a great period, baby face month. luger yeah. was a great baby face but hall was so cool like he was the cool so guy cool. Right? yeah i don't and, and this is where and i understand the frustration of a guy like bret hart who played that white meat so hard for so long you know um and now 
it's just not, it's just not cool. Now you have, you know, Scott Hall was the cool bad guy before Scott before Steve Austin was. Yeah, yeah, you know. And think? I'm not even talking about I'm not even talking about Scott Hall in the NWO. I'm talking about Scott Hall in the WWE. I'm talking about Razor Ramon. He was the bad guy, hundred percent. You know what? I'm going to even go farther. I think Razor Ramon was the precursor of Eddie Guerrero. Fair, fair. You know that li- the lie, cheat, and steal gimmick. How about uh, was... and the inspiration behind Carlito as well. Oh, 100 percent And that I don't think anybody would deny that at all. Um, I always looked at Carlito as an homage character. I really did. Yeah, Scott Hallite. Yeah, right, right down to the to the vignettes. Yeah. What do you think, man? You want to hear my survey this week? I would love to hear your <laughs> survey this week. So I tried my best to kind of look at his entire career. There might be some moments that, that people think should be on there that aren't on there, but I, I, I'm looking at his whole career from start to finish here. And I, I'm starting things off with a real deep cut. And it's something that I know was a huge part in shaping Scott's career. And I'm going to take us back for my number seven to 1986, uh, his tag team with Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning in the AWA. And when they won the AWA tag team championship, um fun stuff here fun stuff here there's a fun little story behind this but before i get into the story just how important and how much uh scott learned and looked up to kurt henning Uh, and that's why it's my number seven because scott really attributes him as a performer to kurt man i you've thrown me for a loop here i'm I'm so glad to have it on the list i am um earlier in the day you told me you were struggling for your number seven and you gave me some options and this wasn't one of them so i'm very confused now but uh intrigued at the same time but i am glad to hear this on your list it deserves to be on your list 100 um i didn't discover this stuff until (laughs) much later much much later um I seen a little of a bit, a little bit of it when the internet was still really when YouTube was becoming a thing, but I didn't get to dive into it until the network really became a thing. Yeah. So, so this is still pretty new to me. Well, these matches are hard to find. There's only one match of theirs on YouTube, and uh, sadly, it's not the title change. Although it is a damn good match, I was watching a little bit of it earlier today just to refresh myself on it. Um, there is a reason though why you can't find the title change on YouTube because it is a oh, phantom match. I was gonna say, did they uh Pat Patterson it? They Pat Patterson it. So the current champions were Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, not to be confused with uh Lord Steven Regal or William nope. Regal. This is a totally different guy, and uh yep. Jimmy Garvin, one of my personal favorites. And these guys had a great program going. Uh they they beat them on a non-title match in November. And then in January, Regal left the company while still as the champion. So they did a phantom Ooh. title change in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which I don't think I've ever heard the AWA run in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. Um, they should, just, just for shits and giggles, how funny would it have been if they would have said it happened in Rio? That would have been awesome. They should, ju- ju- just, to, just for the tongue-in-cheek thing, just for the, because at this point in time, who's getting the joke? You know, there's going to be a very small handful of very small, very smart marks that are going to get this joke. I, I would, I would have made it happen in real. That would have been hilarious. That would have been actually pretty funny. Um, they held the belts for 119 days before they finally dropped them to the team of Doug Summers and Playboy Buddy Rose. 
And that name is familiar because they would go on to have an incredible feud with the Midnight Rockers. So there's your Sean and Scott tie in that early into the feud there, that early into their careers. And uh, that that's my number seven. That's a great way to start this, this uh, survey. Um, yeah. And, and great, uh, great little tie in the, to, to Scott and Marty uh, or Sean and Marty. Sorry. Um, Sean, who would go on to be not only one of Scott's best friends, but one of Scott's best opponents in the WWE. They met in Kansas Um, City for the first time in like 85 and they became friends immediately. Yeah. Um, Marty, uh, what was uh, Marty came out today? Um, I know Marty's been a little under the weather himself, uh, but uh, Marty came out today and and made a, a nice comment about Scott. Um, in full Marty fashion, completely butchered it and misspelled. Razor's name, but you know what? You know that you know the love was there, so you you can't you can't you can't shit on Marty for that, you know. Absolutely. So that's number seven. Let's roll number right. six. Okay, number, let's do it. Number six, we're going and we're gonna go back to uh, a moment that changed the business, and we're going with the curtain call. Okay. All right. Uh, this is where I was. Ex- I, this is what I expected your number seven to be. Perfectly honest. It was my um, original number seven, and then I thought about I, the impact that it had on the business. And, and I, I guess it. that's why, because I don't look at it. It's a click moment. It's not a Scott Hall moment. So I, that's why I was like, should it be, you know, in the list? But he was there, and it was very impactful. Very impactful. Um, I don't think that they benefited it as much of it as, as much from it as uh, Sean and Triple H did. I think I Sean mean, and Tri- the guy who benefited the most from it was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, one thousand percent, yes, yes, yes. But what I mean is they they took it when the Attitude Era was really starting to roll. They took it. They did. They did that whole thing where you know they showed the video of it and be like, oh, oh, Sean, that's you, that's me. You know, they they're the ones who pulled the curtain back. Yeah no pun intended, and, and, and said, you know what, fuck you, we're going, this did happen, fuck the Jim Cornettes, fuck the, the Bruce Pritchards, fuck everybody who doesn't like that we did this, we're going to show you what we did, we're going to put Razor and Diesel on fucking TV again in 1997, fuck you all, we're going to show it, and, and it elevated, that segment elevated DX higher than they already were. Um, I... I can see you don't really agree with me there, but I, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that, you, that, that that you think I'm wrong there. I just, I went back and rewatched this segment in the last year. And it, yeah. it I, I just don't think it worked when Sean, I, I like, I don't know. I think if you go back and rewatch it again, it just kind of, it would, it didn't work on well, TV because nobody felt, knew, if, nobody because knew what nobody, they were talking. No, about, nobody right? knew, but, but you watch what happens in in the, in the next few weeks, people went and did their research. Yeah. People found out about it. You know what I mean? People jumped on. There's no such thing as Google's at the time, but people fucking people went and asked Jeeves about it. I'll tell you that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, like they like, like they found out. I just thought that Sean and, and Hunter were really annoying in that segment. I know the one you talk about. I was like, whoa, you're a bad guy and I'm a yeah, good guy. Like, but, I just but don't, you're, I don't, you're, you're I don't like very 90s. turned off of I know you're very turned yeah. off 97DX. We don't need to go into that. I'm still a fan of some of the stuff they did at this era. Um, I will agree with you that a lot that some of it did, does not age well. I'll agree with you, um, but some of it I think is still very funny and still very relevant. And I think this is one of them. Yeah. Um, but that's not. But that's not the point. That's not the point I was trying to make. Um, 
I just think that this worked more in their favor to help elevate them than it did Scott and uh, Scott and Kevin. Scott and Kevin, it's not like they went over to uh, WCW and talked about it. Now they should have because they were supposed to be like, "Hey, yeah, we, we're working over there. You don't believe us? Look at this video." And that video didn't belong to WWF at the time. That was a fan video, yeah. so they. They probably could have used it. They probably didn't know it existed, right? Because there was no YouTube, yeah. right? Nothing. Like, yeah. how do you find that, right? Like, can you can you imagine if the first time anybody saw that video, it was on Nitro, not Raw? And they're that would like, have been, like, that been pretty and awesome. Th- and Scott's like, "What? You don't believe that we're in WWF still? Look at this video. Why would they? Why would I be hugging my buddy Sean?" Well, they had about three weeks to say it before they got sued. So, because <laughs> they had Bischoff sued or Vince sued them, saying you can't portray them as being my superstars. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, I look at this moment a little bit differently. I don't look at it at, at, at what it did for DX and them. I, I just look at it for a beautiful moment between friends that yeah. uh, that that really uh, has like the urban legend and the myth of it has grown over the years. And and when you hear these guys talk about how much it meant to go out there and just say goodbye to each other. And then I would like that, you know, throughout the years, like Sean is the world champion and, and he's walking down the aisle, throwing up the, the two suite and you see Hall and Nash throwing it up. And it was like, you know, we're bidding and, farewell and, to our friends. They're going to take over the world over here. And we're yeah. taking over the world over here. I, I just think it's when you go back and actually look at it and the fact that they actually all did it and did take over the world. It's what I can't believe crazy. is that I never caught on. It took me years. I, I must have been a very naive child. Because I look back at some of these early like 95, 96, 97 matches. And you see this a lot yeah. by all five members of the clique while one of them's a heel and the other one's a face and they're in two different spots on the card, but they're both doing it. I never fucking caught on. There did I. You know what I mean? And it took, it would take years. And I'd be now, you know, in my twenties and thirties and, and, and sitting and, and, and watching and, and going, Hey, look what Scott just did. <laughs> I, I always then, just thought it was a Sean Michaels then, thing. Then, then half an hour later, well, cause Scott, cause Sean used to call his fan base. The, the click, click and he would throw it up right? all the time. Right. Yes. But he was the champion, so you're paying attention to him more than if Waltman did it, right? Exactly, but Waltman, even the one, two, three kid was doing it. Yeah. And then then you start noticing a lot more when the the NWO starts being a thing. And then you're like, oh, he's doing that that, that thing. He's he's, he's doing the Wade Boggs thing. (laughs) (laughs) That thing that Wade Boggs did with the Devil Rays a few years ago? (laughs) But, but, you know, and, and then that's when it all starts to click. And like, Oh shit! Yeah, they were boys, and it's not until years later where you start really reading. And I and I was off the 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 the, the after mags and shit by by now, right? And even the the mags I read were all kayfabe, so you didn't read about the click a lot. Yeah. Um. The 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 mags that we're talking like I didn't read the Observer. You know what I mean? I I didn't read the Torch. So the these things that would expose that shit, I wasn't privy to. So I didn't know what the click really was and what it meant until years later. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of the click, a member of the click is highly involved in my number five. And we're going to talk about his feud with the one, two, three oh, kid. I'm so happy we're talking about this. Yes. It has one to of be. my One of my favorite feuds Razor ever had. Um, probably my favorite feud Pac ever had. Yeah. 
and, and I'm not talking shit about Pac here. Um, I like Waltman. I'm never oh, going to shit on Waltman. I was a scrawny kid like he was, man. He was like my hero yeah. as a kid. Well, Waltman was one of my favorites. Uh, I I was when, when I was wrestling with my backyard days, one of my earlier names was X Dog. You know what I mean? I wanted to be that that mix of uh, X Pac and Road Dog. So, and I was like, just like you, I was that scrawny little kid, just like Pac. So, when I would look at, at one, two, three kid, I'm like, man, if he can get it's one thing to see Barry Horowitz get a win on Skip. Barry Horowitz ain't a small boy. You know, Barry Horowitz looks athletic. But you look at that fucking eyebrowless little fucking punk in <laughs> one, two, three kid who changes his name every fucking week. Yeah. And he just got and he just got a win on one of the biggest names in the history of the fucking business at this point, as far as I'm fucking concerned, at my 10-year-old self, loving year old self. If he could do it, fuck I could do this. You know, and he made you feel that way in a good way. Yeah. Um, and his names were like, you know, he was the kamikaze kid. He was yeah. the cannonball kid. He was the lightning kid. And where did the one, two, three kid come from, Tyler? Well, it's, uh, he scored this upset win over Scott Hall. You know, he uh, here here's kind of the track record for this. I, I've got my notes from Classic Match Classroom because we were going to do this one before we took a hiatus. Um, his first match was against Doink, where he got smoked. Second match was even shorter against Mr. Hughes. Where he got smoked third are we week talking about, are we talking about kid kid yeah and he's just the kid at this point he was uh he was kamikaze kid against doink okay. he was cannonball kid against mr hughes and okay. then the lightning kid scores a huge upset over razor right. now the thing about this and i've heard kid tell this story before um these were all done in tapings right so yeah. kid left and went and did a tour of japan and the match hadn't aired yet, so he couldn't say anything. He had to keep it kayfabe because he had to yeah. back then, right? And yeah. so that's why uh, Razor did all those promos the weeks after, asking for the rematch, offering him $100,000 or whatever it was, right? And then finally he gets the rematch with him. But Kid couldn't respond to any of it because he was in Japan. Yeah. I can, st- I can still hear that fucking commentary. Get the money, kid! Yeah, get the money and run. And it's a miracle yeah. he did that, though, because, you know, like, in the rematch, he slipped and fell off the top rope and, and cracked and his face. Yeah. He cracked his yeah. face off the concrete. He was out of it. He doesn't remember any of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I remember... Was it... Listen to a podcast. It must have been... Uh, it must have been Waltman talking about that. But uh, it was scary. Really oh, scary yeah. for him. Yeah. yeah, it's lucky that he was okay. You know, probably just a major concussion, but like, yeah, it's lucky that um, it wasn't worse because that was a hell of a fall. There's part of this feud a lot of people shit on, and I won't shit on it because I, th- I think it's fun as fuck. And I Me need too. to know where do you stand on the diaper match? Because I, I love it. it. I love it. Uh, I thought Kid was so good on it. You know, Kid cost him. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of forgot about that when I was just thinking about the early part of their feud here. But, you know, Kid cost him the IC title at the Rumble against Goldust. And then, you know, he's like, Razor's crying like a baby. Well, Razor's like, well, let's see who cries like a baby. And he, you know, he beats him and puts him in the diaper and puts the baby powder on him. And Kid gets up and he's crying. And they're calling him Cry Baby. The crowd had a field day with it. I thought it was great booking. Well, because by, by now, everything's it turned around, right? Because uh, yeah, uh, kids kids turned... Uh, was Kid with uh, DiBiase at this point? Yeah. 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 So was and this... He, he turned you, you'll have to refresh. You'll have to refresh my memory. Is this all part of one big long feud, or did or was this two separate feuds? Two separate feuds. Because okay, after, okay. after this one, 
this is what uh, Turn Hall Babyface actually was his loss to the kid. Oh, okay. um, he lost to the kid right before King of the Ring '93. Yeah, and then and after the, and, and, after that, he did the rematch. But then DiBiase started making fun of uh, Razor for losing to the kid. And then DiBiase was like, "I'll show you how to do it." And he was fighting the kid, and Razor came out and made DiBiase lose. That's what led okay. to their SummerSlam match in '93. Right. Okay. So it was, and then they were yeah. tag team for years, and then Kid turned on Razor. Right. To DiBiase, which. All full circle. I, yeah. I, loved how story, I love how stories made sense back then. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I'm sure that wasn't intentional, but my God, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I'm so happy this is on your list. Good spot for it, too. Number five, I like that. Number four, got to talk about our boy, Rick Martel. We're talking about the first time that Razor Ramon ever won the Intercontinental Championship. Okay. Um, I forgot about this. I'm not going to lie to you. I forgot about this match. I when I think of Razor's Intercontinental runs, I think of a lot of his defenses and shit. I forgot him winning it like this, and I'm really upset with myself because everybody knows I'm a big Rick Martel fan. Um, I need to go back and rewatch this. I haven't seen this in years. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, this week on Classic Match Classroom. We're going to do the ladder match with uh, Sean it, and Razor. Oh, okay. I was going to say, is this what you're doing? Well, this is part of the build for it. We will be talking right. about it. So I will get to rewatch this match and uh, probably tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. Uh, please tune in to watch a full breakdown of Sean and Razor at WrestleMania 10 too, as we continue our Razor Moan tribute in the Count It Out family. Um, I love the way they did this. Sean gets suspended by President Jack Tunney. Uh, kayfabe reason is for not showing up title defenses. Shoot reason is for failing a steroid test, which he says that he never failed. He, he laid on that hill it that it that he never and he, and, and he stayed it's been 30 years over yeah. 30 years and he he lays on that he, he says no I, I i didn't do fuck all so president jack tunney puts the intercontinental title up he says we're gonna have a 20-man battle royal the final two men in that battle royal will go on to face each other in a one-on-one match and we come down to razor and rick martell and i thought rick martell was the perfect guy for razor to yes. go over as well uh, if you look at the roster during this time period, Martel still had name value to him. He was a strong uh, mid to upper mid card heel in the company that still mm-hmm. had credibility. And, and Razor getting uh, getting uh, put over clean by Martel, I thought was huge for Razor and really sealed it, him to that next level. He still had that heel credibility, just like you said. Um, he could still fucking go. He was still one of the best hands in the locker room they had. Um, there was no better person right there at that time. And I'm not taking anything away from Scott's abilities, but Scott needed some, if Scott wanted to get over as a champion right now, he needed someone to make him look like a million dollars and nobody better than, than Rick Martell here. Absolutely. And then it will Rick- go on to start a great reign, which would lead into, you know, many famous matches. And it would be the first of four IC title reigns for the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get nervous because there's a few things I'm wondering if you're missing, but I didn't think of this, so I'm glad it's up there. Well, let's uh, let's move on now. We're in the top three here. And my number three, I think, is going to catch you off guard, but I don't think you can argue it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface it by saying this. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. And I'm I mean, putting... I'm putting his yeah. Hall of Fame, his Hall of Fame induction as my number three moment. This is this is moments. This is not wrestling moments. This is not wrestling matches. This is moments. This deserves to be on here. Yeah, and 
I think it's just such a beautiful moment and his speech was amazing, but it's that full circle thing that we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, everybody wanted Scott to get better so bad. Yeah. Everybody loves Scott. You know, he always was upset that he couldn't be there for Sean's hall of fame uh, when Sean did it. Cause he just knew he wasn't ready to be around that many people. And I respect the hell of him for that. And it was just so nice for him to get this moment and to have all the boys there with him. And, and that white suit he had was so awesome. It was so good. Yeah. The strut was on point and it was just, I, it's one of the best hall of fame speeches of, of all time. hundred uh, percent. I alluded to that in the beginning of this episode. Uh, it's one of my favorite um, closers. Did I say that on air or off air? Uh, I think off air. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully I'm not repeating myself here, but uh, it's, it is with Ric Flair's uh, closer of for everything that I've done wrong, I must have done something right to be here. Um, th- that, that is on par with Scott Hall's, what you just said as one of the greatest speech closers in the hall of fame history. Yeah. Um, just him saying those words, you know, the, the, the rest of the speech is what it was, but it, it, this was, it, that's just your jerker right there. I can't remember if he closed with this or not, but did Bobby close with, I wish gorilla was here. Was that his close? No, I think that was like in the middle. Some, okay. It was like in the that, middle. That would, that would be up there. If, uh, if Bobby, I, 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 it might, I might even right in the beginning. I don't know. I can't, remember. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it was the close. I, I love Bobby's speech as well, but that's Bobby's Bobby had the greatest speech in Hall of Fame history and nobody will ever beat that. Yeah. That's a good list for us to do one time. Best Hall of Fame speeches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll call it the Mr. T list. Oh yeah. Mr. T and Iron Sheik all the way. Yeah. Um, uh, not much more to say about it. Just go back and listen. No, to it, guys. Uh, and, uh, and, I, I and, can't and, do it justice say, and I won't even try. I won't even try to do it justice. Go back and listen to it. And it's I know beautiful. it's not, and I know it's not an exclusive club anymore. I know there's a good handful of them now, but he is a two-timer. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Him, Hogan, Hall, Nash, Waltman, and Flair, and, and Booker T are all two-timers, I believe. And Sean. And I, Did I not say Sean? Oh, I didn't hear you say Sean. If you did, I'm sorry. I, I might have missed him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Sean, let's talk about our number two. Oh, and, and, and Brett, right? Brett as well, yeah. 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 There goes my. I'm going to go back to that segue again. Speaking of Sean, here comes my number two. <laughs> ladder match. Ladder match. Absolutely. WrestleMania 10 specifically, but don't sleep on SummerSlam 95. Don't, for the love of Christ, don't sleep on SummerSlam. It might be the better match. I, I, might, I'm, I, I don't favor, know. I favor 10. I favor 10 personally, but uh, SummerSlam 95, they, they were. I think. They, they had balls I to the walls out more on 95. I think 10 had the bigger match feel to it. I think 10 had more on the line. Like, 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 like there, it felt more final. It was like, okay, two guys who claimed like the, the two title belts being there, the two guys saying I'm the champion, like the story, everything going into it was bigger. Yeah. Break it down. I'm not, it's hard. It's really fucking hard, but I, that just like- shows how good these two guys are together. I like the pacing of 10. I, I just really like the pacing of 10 a little bit better. I thought that uh, the moves felt more impactful. I liked ladder matches like that where they had their big spots, but they they made them mean something. Everything was done with a purpose. And, and he took a beating. 
30 years later, it still stands as one of, if not the greatest ladder match in WWE history. Absolutely. Um, it's probably, at, at the very least, probably the best singles um, uh, ladder match, like not involving tag teams. It's up say. there, man. Benoit and yeah. Jericho had a good one at the mm-hmm. Rumble. Jericho and I, I like Jericho and ladder matches because he, he patterns after how Hall did it. You know what I mean? Where, a... where he uses it as a weapon, not as a spot. And I, I really respect the way that Hall and Michaels and Jericho always did that. There's a famous quote out there, and I don't remember if it was Ric Flair or Jim Ross that said it, but to this day, it pisses me off when I hear people requote it. And that's that Shawn Michaels went out there and had a phenomenal match with a ladder, and Scott Hall happened to be there. Yeah, no, Hall pulled his weight and beyond, oh, and be- shit, and beyond in this match. I bet, I bet Shawn Michaels himself would be insulted to hear that. There's a great video on YouTube of those guys rewatching the match together. Oh, I love that. They, I wish they did more of those. Yeah. Um, before they lost their uh, their, their podcast, um, Edge and Christian were doing a thing where they were uh, bringing on people to watch old matches with them. And they did uh, uh, Sean and uh, Mick for um, Mind Games. And I always wanted them to do Sean and and Scott. Yeah, that would have been nice. You know? Uh, You could have made a whole DVD out of that. You You know how they were doing those rivalry DVDs for a while? They could have done a whole fucking DVD set of of just them talking about that match. Everything oh yeah, that into that match. I, I would have loved to have just seen like more features of just guys rewatching matches. Also. And this is when and I'm uh, here I go. I'm gonna start sounding like Cornette. I'm gonna start sounding like the old crotchety or uh, yell at a cloud wrestling fans. Goddamn! Goddamn! Double cheeseburger. Um, but but I mean this. Anybody looking to break in right now go watch matches like this you want to be a high flyer be a fucking high flyer but don't go watch a young bucks match i'm sorry don't don't go don't go watch the bucks don't go watch pretty much any of the fucking high flyers from right now i'm not saying i'm not saying forget those guys i'm not but start with the fucking basics go watch what Shawn michaels and razor ramon can do if you don't have the psychology, you don't. You, you're not going to have a wrestling match. Absolutely. This is there's no ladder match in history. I, I'm going to say that has better psychology used than this ladder match, and it breaks my heart. Don't get me wrong. I like some of the ones that I've seen in the last five six years. I really liked the the one that you and I watched together, the uh, the, the the Lucha Brothers and um, LAX. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Was that but was. But it, it at least had some story to it, and it did have some uh, psychology to it. Uh, I'm, again, I'm going to sound like that piece of shit old guy. One of the, I think Dave Meltzer's match of the year last year was the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. And the cage I know a ladder right? match. Yeah, yeah. I saw no psychology in that whatsoever. None. Zero. No storytelling at all from my perspective. Anybody who's trying to get into the business right now, don't watch a match like that. I'm sorry. Go watch 
Razor and Sean do it because they can tell you how to use something like a ladder or a cage or the ring or a chair or anything and have it be just as important in that match as their opponent is. And uh, that, that, that ladder was a character. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, it was the fourth man in the ring with the referee and, and whatever. Also, 100%. how much of a badass did Razor look to in the little Razor strut under the ladder? I just, oh, I love it. And it was right after Sean did the whole fucking around, around right? It, right? You know, it was so good. It was so apropos. It was so well done. Uh, you know, and good. It was nice to have uh, Big Daddy Cool there. Uh, you know, doing his thing. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, if you guys, of course, uh, I'll just plug it quickly one more time. If you want a complete rundown of that entire feud, uh, click on the Class Match Classroom on this uh, this Sunday or whatever, and in the archives for listening to this later and. Uh, we will give a whole rundown of their entire feud. Uh, very fun stuff between these guys. But there can only be one number one. All right, man. And uh, it is, you heard it earlier, uh, the famous promo, Scott Hall's debut on Monday Nitro, the birth of the NWO. This changed the business, man. Not only on screen, having the boom period, it changed the way the boys got paid. It was a hell of a promo. It led to big business. This is the not only the career highlight, I think, for Scott Hall, but it's one of the biggest highlights and one of the biggest boom periods of all of professional wrestling. And it's what it's what made WCW beat the WWF was it all started with this promo and he delivered it perfectly. You heard it earlier in the show. This could have been year one, year two. It wouldn't have mattered to me. Uh, it could have gone either way, WrestleMania 10. Um, but I'm kind of glad it's your number one because, don't get me wrong, I was always more of a Razor Ramon fan than I was a Scott Hall fan. But that's not to say that Scott Hall wasn't the coolest fucking thing in the world in 1996 when he comes out in that fucking jean vest. He's the only he guy that can over. pull it off, Denim. <laughs> and he's, he's the reason I started watching Nitro. Yeah, me too. I remember watching I, that uh, live when it happened. My, well, as, li- as live as we could get it in Canada. I, I, I was going to say. Uh, but um, my, for, for, for months, probably even years. Yeah, years. Probably since about late 94, early 95. My uncle, who lived with us for a while, was trying so hard to get me to watch Nitro. He's like, it's better wrestling. It's better stories. There's no jobbers. Uh, we didn't use the term jobber, but you know what I mean? He's like, there's no, it's like you, you he's like in WWF, you always know who's going to win. You, you know that that, you know that the big guy with the entrance is going to beat the guy whose name you don't know and didn't get an entrance and fucking, you know, you always know. He's like, they don't have that in WCW. He was a mat. He was always trying to get me to watch WCW. And the one time I watched WCW with him was during, oh, fuck, I, 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 I wish he was alive for me to, to cry and say I'm sorry to him. Uh, he was so right. Um, the first time I watched it, uh, it was during a Lionheart Chris Jericho match. And I'm looking, I'm like, hey. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This guy just wants to be Shawn Michaels. Get the fuck out of here. I'm like, you're not showing me anything I haven't seen. And I, 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 and I dismissed it. I dismissed it. I'm like, fuck this. This guy just wants to be Shawn Michaels. I don't want to watch his shit. If I want to watch Shawn Michaels, I'm going to watch fucking <laughs> Canadian Challenge on Saturday. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mike. So, <laughs> so 
I never, I, I, I didn't become a WCW guy in the, until Scott did his thing. And then I'm like, okay, something's happening here. Something big is going to happen here. And uh, the very first WCW pay-per-view I ever watched was Bash at the Beach because I knew something big was going to happen. But whose side is he on? You know, you've made me come around on that. You have. I used to hate that for years and years and years and years and years. And you you showed me the simple logic to that. Um, you got a lot of the stuff that I wanted to see on your list. So so good job on that. I, I will um, say before before I go to the honorable mentions, um, I have two moments that I I fondly remember as a child watching wrestling. Uh, because we didn't have the internet, we didn't have, you know, we're old. We didn't have all that shit we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I remember at the end of 1992, sitting at my aunt's house watching Superstars and hearing Mean Gene open the show going, ladies and gentlemen, your new world champion, Bret Hart. And Bret was my guy and I lost it. And I had I was just like, wow, called my friend immediately. I don't remember where I was for this one, but I, I wasn't at my house. I was at maybe a grandparent's house or whatever. And I'd never seen Nitro before. And these people just so happened, right time, right place. I was flicking the channel and I was watching it. And who is on my TV but freaking Razor Ramon, who I had no idea wasn't not in the WWF at the time. How would, how would we have known? Right. I don't know. I'm not listening to Meltzer, like you said. Like So all of a yep. sudden, and I didn't see the promo initially. Actually, I did. I saw him come out of the crowd. I, I did watch it. It was on a Saturday afternoon, though, because that's when we got it on the new VR, yep. probably. But uh, and then the show went off the air with him and Sting face to face. I was like, "What?" And then I couldn't find Nitro again forever because <laughs> I didn't and know I, where it was. And I bought it. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I believed that the WWF was going after WCW because they never said his name. They didn't call him Razor Ramon. They didn't even call him Scott Hall. Yeah, they made them. And, they made them do that on uh, the next pay per view at uh, Great American Bash because they were getting yeah. sued. So they had to do that promo. It's like, do you work with the WWF? And they're like, nah. But the fact that they weren't even saying their names, I'm like, well, they're not saying their names because they're not, they don't want to, they don't want to put over WWF, you know? So it, it made sense to me. 100%. Uh, why don't you bang off? I know there's a couple that, uh, I know there's one that I didn't put on the list that's breaking your heart for sure. It's not breaking my heart only because I like your list. Um, you had a couple that I forgot about that would nudge, even if I was making the list, this wouldn't make my list because of the things you put on, but I do have to mention it. I don't give a shit what you think or what anybody thinks. I love me some world war three, baby. Love it to death. And I, and, and I love everything. I love that he won it. I love the match, even though you did mention that it took five months for him to fucking get it at what was it sold out? Like uh, uncensored. Uh, uncensored, sorry. Yeah. Uh, like, like it wasn't even at like a Stargate or something. You know, though, <laughs> like, I, I was thinking about that earlier. But but, right? I, but I do, but I do love that match with Sting. I think it's one I'm honestly, if I was to 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 rate Scott Hall's best one-on-one matches. His match with Sting is on there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And and you know what? There actually is logic why he ha- didn't get his title shot for so long. So if you think back to sold out or sorry, World War Three the year before, who won it? The Giant, right? Right. Uh, that guarantees you a title shot. Well, the Giant was. They're all like, you can't take your title shot. And he's like, fuck you. I'm taking my title shot. And they beat the shit out of him, kicked him out of the NWO. Hall yeah. won it and just sat on the title shot. 
Hogan went on to have his feud with Sting. As soon as Hogan lost the belt, finished the rematch at Uncensored, the next month, Hall got a title shot. Yeah. So there, is, there is logic it, behind it, it. It definitely made sense. But, uh, I mean, maybe we're just, so, uh, we're just so trained by WWE. You know, you win, the, you, you win it in January, you get it in April. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, another one for me, it's a twofer. Um, let's go back to 1993. He had two great matches, Bret Hart. Yep, they're on my uh, own mention. I almost put that King of the Ring match as my number seven. Uh, if out of the two of them, uh, King of the Ring would be the one. Yeah, I think I think he um, found himself by that point. You know what I mean? I think that 93, he was still finding that Razor character as a heel. And he was like, yeah. by June, though, you know, by January, he was he was good. But by but, June, he was really invested in it. But big, big deal for for Razor to be getting a title shot in the, in the main event. Not not the closer, but the the, the title the title match Apparently, at the Royal Rumble. The original plan I heard was uh, Warrior was supposed to get the first that title shot before he left the company. Oh yeah, that was what I heard. The original match was. Glad they went this way. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people still think that Brett, that 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 uh, Warrior or uh, that uh, Razor should have won that night. Um, I don't think Razor was there yet. No. And, and Brett was just new too. He was like two months yeah. into his reign. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was time for Razor to be champion. No. And what would um, you do with him at Mania then? Like who? Do, who do you put? Yeah. Do I think Razor should have been champion at some point? Yeah, I do. I think if he would have stayed with the company, it would have happened. I think he had he had hit his peak in the mid card, and if he would have resigned and and not gone to WCW, I think he would have been a, a, the world champion. I, I think he could have been in the in that yeah in that picture maybe in 97 if he hadn't left in 96 maybe in 97 we would have been looking at a very very because because nash wouldn't have left either so so we're looking at a very different roster in 97 right maybe maybe sean would have kept his smile said no i'm not facing Breton. it would have been sean and razor at 97 Maybe you know? we get no DX and obviously no NWO and the click is a faction on TV. My God, you never know. You never know what, what could have been. Um, but we'll, we truly will never know. What else you got over uh, there? What else do I got over here? Um, I already mentioned the magic and sting just for the, and I said this to you earlier, this is just for the, 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 the pop from the crowd alone. There's this great thing he did in ECW in 2000. Yeah, he did a, uh, he did a weekend loop. Yeah, and, and he comes out and he he came out to that song, some old 90s hip-hop song. Um, I feel like it's like a Puff Daddy song or something. But the minute he came out of that fucking curtain, that's one of the biggest ECW pops I've ever heard that wasn't for the Sandman. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was fucking nuts. They lost their shit for that man. It was great. I, I bet it was a good feeling for Scott. I'm not going to lie to you. I know we said we weren't going to harp on this, but Scott looked a little out of it. I think this is I think this is Demon Scott here. I really do. But well, he, did, he did a loop at weekend with them, right? He he put over Big Sal, <laughs> like, and, and they yeah. did that because there was so much heat on him. He wasn't even the company, and everyone's like, "We don't want Holland. He's not going to job to anybody." It was like a test for him. 
Hall never cared about doing jobs. He cared about making money, man. That's it. Um, while, I, while I'm looking for my list, do you have any uh, that, that you didn't put on? Yeah, I've got oh, a bunch. Sure. Go ahead. Okay, no, no, go you. ahead. Go ahead. Um, phenomenal match from uh, Survivor Series 92. Yes, that's an honorable mention I have as well. Yeah, it's uh, Razor and Ric Flair versus Mr. Perfect and Randy Savage. How yeah. fucking fun was that? And this was really the company starting to have faith in Razor, putting him in such a big spot. He was feuding with Absol- Savage, cost Savage the world title against Flair here. Yeah, big one. Big one. Um, another one that I wrote down earlier, just because, again, it's really fun for me. Um, and I think you'd like this one, too. Um, Slamboree 97. It was... Uh, it was Scott Kevin and, and, and X-Pac versus Kevin Green, uh, Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. Yeah, we talked about that match in great detail we on our, our football in list. Our, exactly. Um, maybe, I think maybe I have better memories of it now because I've gone back and watched it since our, our show. I really like it now. Such I a fun match, eh? You know, I, I'm the I don't same remember way. it being that good. I don't remember it being that good, but since you, since you brought it to my attention, it's so fun. Yeah, it has to be talked about. Me too. I am with you on that a thousand percent. Um, this is a match that I forgot about. A hundred percent forgot about. And it was only brought to my attention that it even existed about four or five hours ago. And I watched half of it and didn't get to, 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 to end it. So it at least has to be mentioned because what I saw was so fucking good. This is from a, uh, a, a New Japan Cup series that he, did, that, that he was involved in back in 88. And it was Bob Orton, Dick Murdoch, and Scott Hall versus Antonio Inoki, uh, Ricky Koshio, and Kentaro uh, Hoshinio. Wow. I've never seen that. Yeah. I, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm going to find it again. I'm going to send it to you. I know that Hall learned a lot from Dick Murdoch. Um, and he actually talked about this. I was listening to Scott on the Steve Austin podcast on Spotify today from years and years ago. And he talked about Dick Murdoch, you know, being like um, training on, on the job training with him over on these tours of Japan. Like Hall was a still young boy and he would come over and do all the squats with all the boys. And he'd see Murdoch just sitting on the chairs. He'd be like, get over here. What are you doing? Like, you know how you get over over here? You sell for these guys. And he would say that Murdoch would be on the apron and he'd be like, yelling instructions to him being like take him down take him down no not like that tag me tag me and murdoch will get in show him now you do it and and hall actually wanted to pitch an angle to vince where where it was like murdoch was his teacher like he wanted to shave it like buzz his head and be like a cowboy type of guy and and have murdoch as his coach which uh, i thought would have been an awesome angle i like that um cool little story that i've heard a few times is uh a lot of aspiring wrestlers have gone to, to, to Nashville over the last 30, 40 years or uh, hall, sorry. And been like, Hey, do you have any advice? Like, like, what, like, what do you think I should do? And his advice for like so many people was always the same. Go watch the Dick Murdoch matches. That's yeah, what we he, tell people all the he time. He really had a lot of respect Go. for Murdoch. Yeah. And, and he, and dusty too. He always said, I just want to be dusty Rhodes. I just want to be over in Florida and get laid by chicks. That's what he always said. <laughs> I know I'm talking a lot of multi-mans here uh, and uh, just because he was involved in a lot of them, I guess. But I, I got to talk about a match they did at Fallborough 96, uh, right at the top of the NWO uh, yeah. uh, forming. Um, it was the NWO versus Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, and Ric Flair and the real Sting. Yeah, Flair, uh, Anderson, and Hall started this match and they really tore the house down in that first five minutes. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, you're you're a big War Games guy, so uh, I'm I'm sure you have a, a fond memories of this one. This would be on my list for top seven best War Games matches of all time. It wasn't a Scott Hall moment, so I'm glad it wasn't on your list. Uh, but we have to talk about Bash the Beach. Yep, yeah, it's an honorable mention, yeah. of course. That was more Hogan's moment. Um, really fun match I've seen on I, I saw on YouTube uh, earlier today. Uh, I'm sure I've seen it in the past. I just don't remember watching it. But it was a bit. Uh, do you remember the old show Action Zone? Action Zone. Yep. Tag match. Okay. Right? Yeah, Sean and Diesel versus Razor and Kid. Yeah. Really fucking good. Great match. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you have any more? Yeah. Uh, the hardest one to leave off my list was just all of his vignettes. And we played one of them early in the show. Yeah. Those were yeah, great. That, that's, that's back when the vignettes were still really, really meant something. Um, you know, sure, they would come back here and there. You know, Carlito would get them and then people went down the line. I don't think they really meant much. They weren't used uh, properly after Goldust and Triple H, like that era, like yeah. so. I'm, we're talking '95, but uh, but Razor, we're going back to like what '92. Yeah, there's uh, that, this was '92 coming. Yeah, '92. Uh, yeah. there there's a great YouTube playlist uh, just called think, Razor Ramon Vignettes. They have all eight of them. Think about that. Think about that. '92. What around what time in '92 we're talking about these vignettes coming out? Early '92, uh, late '92, middle probably. There was eight weeks worth of vignettes. He debuted on. I actually have the match right here. Does it say the date? That's yeah, a commercial. Yeah, it doesn't say the debut, but he debuted. Uh, what was around August? August okay. September? Because he, right. ca- uh, he, de- he debuted and immediately cost Savage title. So it was before right. then, right? Let, so so let's put that into context. August '92, he comes into the company. What's he doing in January of '93? After already feuding with Macho Man and, and uh, Perfect, and yeah, they, they brought you know, him in with a bang right they, away. They obviously had faith in him, obviously. Uh, he had a great line with Vince, where because Vince had never seen Scarface before and, and was popping yeah. at all the lines, and Vince kind of just basically told him like, you know, you're gonna we're gonna make you a lot of money. And Hall quick back on really quick. He's like, listen, I don't need to make all the money. I just want to make a lot of it. <laughs> like it because you know Vince so is the boss, he gets yeah. the money, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh that that one I put on, I thought those were really good. Uh I've got a SummerSlam 94 match against Diesel where he had uh Walter Payton in his corner. Oh, I yeah. Believe, I believe yeah, it's yeah. Walter Payton. Um yeah. more for the story than the match. Uh he had a match with Jericho on Nitro, and they wanted Hall to squash Jericho, and Hall didn't want to. So in the middle of the match, he called an audible and made Jericho roll him up just out of spite. Because Scott Hall could do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got the first time that him and Nash won the WWE Tag Team Titles at uh, Halloween Havoc '96 against Harlem Heat. Uh, his great run in at WrestleMania 31, I really loved the NWO going into the Hall of Fame, and a really fun segment with the Click DX and the Balor Club when they beat up the Revival. I thought it was really cool, a little passing of the torch moment. And uh, those are my honorable mentions. Um. He did some fun stuff later on with, uh, you know, hopefully I'm not misremembering thing. Before he, he left, I feel like he did some cool tag stuff with Ahmed Johnson. 
they they didn't do a lot together. They were like kind uh, of part of like the Sean Razor Ahmed like. Yeah, like they were they they did Survivor Series, but I think they're on opposite teams. Uh, oh, flying so, Elvises, a... flying Elvises in TNA, not flying Elvis. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. the Elvis guys with Jared and Nash was really fun. <laughs> um, if I hate I hate having to to think about Scott probably being a bit of a homophobe, but had he not put a squash to his feud with. Um, with Goldust, I think it would have been one of the best uh, feuds of that of that era. I like their stuff together for sure, and me I too. think I, I think it, you know it, it just it just ended prematurely for me. That's yeah, uh, well, and politics and him leaving the company didn't help either, right? Well, that and he didn't want to do the kissing thing, and he didn't like the he he didn't he didn't like the story. Yeah, uh, he did not he did not feel comfortable with the uh, innuendos and the uh, and, and and. and Nineteen ninety six. It, it wasn't as. And I get it. And I, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not holding it against him. I'm. I'm not at this. At this point in time, um, I'm not going to sit here and go like, "Oh, was he a fucking? You know, was he? Was he? Was he a gay hater? Uh, we don't know. Who knows? You, you were trying to be a tough guy in nineteen ninety six. Um, that's not something that 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 the tough guys did. You know, different time. Right? Um, a very different time, but. Because of that small thinking, it, it, I think it costed uh, him and the. I think it costed him some money, and I think it costed the fans a big story. I, yeah, I would like to see more from those guys. I, I'm a big Goldust fan they, too, right? They worked. They worked really good together. Yeah, they did. They had great matches. And that's it, man. Uh, you know, a tough one, tough episode this week. I, I think we. I think we did a good job talking about Scott, and and hopefully we honored his legacy well. Um. This one hurt, man, and, and I'm really sad about it. And, and, you know, thank you, Scott Hall, just for all the years of entertainment that you gave us, for the memories, for the way that you changed the business. I, I don't know what else to say, man. I'm, I'm bummed out. This one hurt. Yeah, um, I said to you off air that I don't – I feel almost guilty saying that this is the biggest one that we've had to, to deal with in a long time because I don't want to take away – from any of the other deaths that have happened in the last, you know, so many years, but from a fan standpoint, this hurt. The the this the, Razor was one of my guys. Razor was one of my favorites when I was a kid, and you know, every time Scott was in the news, and every time you you you, you saw oh Scott Hall did this again, and it was never a <laughs> lot fucking guy. It was a oh fuck. I hope I hope he's getting some help. I hope same thing. It's just, it's the exact same thing with Jake. Yeah. Every time, every time you would read something about Jake pulling his dick out or fucking doing something stupid, never once was it a uh, fuck that guy's that that, that guy's fucking lost it. No, it was a oh shit, Jake needs help. I hope he gets it. And both men got it. Yeah, um, with each and other too. I love that with each other, which which is a beautiful story. Again, if you haven't seen it, I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not. It used to be. It's on Amazon uh, Prime. If you haven't seen it, go check out The Resurrection of Jake Roberts. Uh, beautiful film. Really is. Um, DDP is a wonder for these guys. And you know what? And I'm going to take this uh, take this time to say to anybody, if you're, if, if you're having substance abuse problems, if you're having alcohol problems, reach out to someone, man. Um, there's always help to be had. Always is. Somebody, you know, you don't need to know Diamond Dallas Page to get help. There, there, there's always someone who can help you out and if somebody like scott hall can get clean before he he meets his maker 
if someone like Jake Snake Roberts can do it, you can fucking do it. I promise you that. Absolutely, man. There's always somebody there. And, and I'm glad that Scott had that team, and I'm glad he got that clarity before he, uh, you know, passed away. And I'm really happy and, for that. And one more thing I'm glad for, because I've been through this, um, a very similar situation where a loved one needed to be taken off, uh, uh, off uh, life support. There's something to be said about saying goodbye to somebody in the right way. Um, you don't want to you don't want to say goodbye to the person you love when they've got a ventilator doing all the work for them. You don't want to say goodbye to somebody when they're hooked up to, to 17 machines. It, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel real. Um, so for them to to make for the family to be able to make the choice that they needed to make, and for them to be there, and for Scott's body to be able to live for what I think it was an extra four or six hours for them to do their proper goodbyes and for them to, to have time with their father, their husband, their, their brother, whoever was there. Um, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, uh, it's a very precious thing. It's a very important thing to get those things in. Um, I had the both unfortunate and fortunate um, duty to, to stand by my, my father-in-law in that exact instance. I stood by and had my hand on her shoulder while he, died after taking him off uh life support and i looked at my wife and i looked at my wife's sisters and i'm thinking i'm glad they got this uh-huh. e- even though he couldn't open his eyes and say what he wanted to say they got to do it and i'm so happy for cody and the rest of the hall family uh for being able to to say goodbye to their dad their brother their you know whoever scott was to them absolutely um rest in peace scott hall there's not really much more I think we need to say. I know usually we throw to you for the show close and we talk about next week. Next week's our, our two-year anniversary show. We'll get to that next week. It doesn't matter this week. Um, and I, I think instead of doing our usual wrap-up this week, let's just hear one more time from the man. And I'm going to throw up. In my lifetime, I've learned... Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. (laughs) 